I'm honestly, I'm sure that there are dozens of things in my life that I've forgotten that uh, at least I I think I have anyway because I can't really remember right now whether I have or not. Uh, But anyway, I'm sure that never happens to any of you guys, right? But actually, I did did remember one thing. I remembered a story that I read about a man who was uh, on his way home from a car dealership with this brand new vehicle that was really absorbing all of his attention when it struck him that he had forgotten something. So he, he pulls over and checked to make sure he had gotten all of his uh, personal belongings out of the old vehicle that he traded in and, uh, and moved them into his new vehicle. And he had, so he, he drove on a little further, but he just couldn't shake that feeling that something had slipped his mind. So he, he pulled over again and checked to make sure he'd gotten back his driver's license and his insurance paperwork from the car salesman. And so he searched all of his pockets and uh, finally decided he had everything with him, but that feeling just persisted even as he reached home and pulled in the driveway where his little daughter ran out to, to greet him, and then she kind of stopped short and said, Daddy, where's Mommy? <laughs> I bet he won't make that mistake again, right? But, you know, our lives do get busy, and, and we do forget things. That's why a day like tomorrow is so important because Memorial Day is a day that's set aside to remember and to honor our brave soldiers, men and and women alike who have given their lives to protect our land and to keep us free. Uh, And it gives us the opportunity to remember the thousands upon thousands who have given the ultimate sacrifice, uh, the sacrifice of their lives so we can continue to enjoy and to live in a land of liberty uh, and of freedom and of prosperity and it's a privilege really that a large portion of the world does not enjoy uh, and it's one that we can never forget because that's really the the purpose of of government isn't it isn't that what government should be doing to to bring order and 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 amity and ideally to look out for the well-being of its citizens but i think we've all been around the block often enough to know that uh, that doesn't always happen right in fact it almost never happens And that's where our psalm for today, Psalm 47, fits in because while man-made governments can never fully or permanently deliver on the promise of peace and prosperity that they give us, and that honestly that brave men and women have fought for, we know that we have a God that can. And not only can, but a God that will in the sacrifice of His only Son, our true Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I want you to listen to Psalm 47 with that in mind. If you have your Bible with you, we're continuing in our series through the Psalms. Uh, Psalm 47, beginning in verse 1, and it's superscribed to the choir master, a psalm of the sons of Korah. And psalmist writes, Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud shouts of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared, a great king over all of the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. Selah. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the people Gather as the people of the God of Abraham, for the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. Amen.
So, you know, I started out uh, telling you uh, the importance of, of remembering days like Memorial Day, but, you know, uh, in the midst of all of that, there's another holiday, uh, really in this week just passed, that I bet you slipped by almost completely unnoticed. Anybody know what it is? Well, that, oh, that's, well, that could be one, but the one I'm thinking is a church holiday, but good thought. In case, in case you're wondering that what I was looking for, if you have a calendar uh, in your pocket or purse that lists Christian holidays, this Thursday just passed was listed as Ascension Day. I see everybody, I see you looking, right? So that's the day the church commemorates our Lord being taken back up into heaven, back to his place of glory. But, you know, as a rule, Ascension Day is, is hardly ever celebrated if it's even remembered at all. Uh, so I'm willing to bet that it was life as usual this past Thursday for everybody, right? There's no special parties, no vacations from school. Uh, and we really all kind of went about our daily lives. And, and even in the church, uh, we don't talk a whole lot about Jesus ascending into heaven. Uh, and, and maybe in part because this whole kind of pre-scientific concept of Jesus going up through the clouds into heaven defies our modern understanding of the universe, right? I mean, we've, we've looked and now we've traveled into outer space. And, and so when we think of Jesus going up, you know, some have asked, well, up where? Did he go up to a planet, to a star, to a, another galaxy? So you see, the, the Ascension story just doesn't fit with our modern ideas of, of cosmology. And since the story is barely mentioned in the Bible and its holiday falls on a, on a work day, on a weekday, uh, some people have asked, well, who really needs it? What's the point in commemorating it? But the truth is, believe it or not, Jesus' Ascension into heaven adds a lot to our understanding of our Christian faith. Uh, and to our focus on the preeminence of Christ. In fact, St. Augustine uh, expressed his opinion about Ascension Day. He said, this is that festival which confirms the grace of all the other festivals together. For unless the Savior had ascended to heaven, his nativity would have come to nothing. And his passion would have borne no fruit for us. And his holy resurrection would have been useless. So in other words, he's saying Christ's ascension is an essential part of the gospel message and it pulls together the full significance of the historical life of Jesus while he was on earth but even more his continuing ministry for us now that he's back in heaven where in the words of Psalm 47 today it tells us our Lord has gone up and is now king of all the earth and so in reality then the ascension is an experience for us to celebrate every day really as an object lesson and as a historic event that's recorded for us uh, in another section of the Bible, in a text that comes to us from the pen of Dr. Luke in his book, In the Acts of the Apostles. So I want to jump there real quickly with you as he picks up the story. So if you have your Bibles, we're in the book of Acts, uh, verse 3, and, and he writes, During the 40 days after he suffered and died, Jesus appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water. But in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses, telling people everywhere, in Jerusalem, 
throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand there looking into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way, in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And so this, uh, in this account, Luke wrote, comes a, a little over five and a half weeks after Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And if you look at the end of Luke's gospel, he's writing about Jesus appearing to his disciples while they were uh, all still together because he had a few things that he wanted to say to them before he ascended back into heaven. And as Luke continues the story in the text there in Acts, you can see the disciples are still kind of confused about why Jesus had come, right? Did you notice their questions? Even though he had already told them several times what he was doing. Some of them were thinking maybe Jesus would set up his earthly kingdom now and wondering what positions they might have in it. Some of them, like Peter, were wondering about what their future would be. Some of them were still too stunned to believe what was right in front of them, but Jesus wanted them to realize that when they asked questions like that, they were missing the most important thing, and that is reaching the world with the good news of the gospel and reminding them and us that our only real business should be to be about the business of the king, to be at the business of our king who, in the words of our psalm today, chose us as his heritage. And so because of that, our business is evangelism, which sadly can be easily uh, overlooked in our preoccupation with the world. But Jesus was telling his disciples and us not to get caught up in those sorts of things because what he really wanted them to focus on was their new purpose in life now that he was leaving them. Because if you remember, over the last three years, their purpose had been to follow Jesus. It had been to watch him fulfill every single messianic prophecy that was ever recorded about him in the Old Testament. Their purpose had been to watch him suffer and to die and to rise from the dead. And now... Now he's telling them they're done with the learning phase of their ministry and Jesus is going to give them a brand new job, a whole new purpose in life. And he told them that very soon with the Holy Spirit's help, they would come to understand exactly what that purpose is and how to fulfill it. And the words that Jesus shared here in explaining this to his men were some of the most important words that his disciples could hear because what Jesus was about to do was to tell them how to spend the rest of their lives and what they and we are to be doing until Christ returns. And that's making sure that the gospel for the forgiveness of sins is preached in Jesus' name to every nation. To, to all of those uh, nations that Psalm 47 says our God is king over. Uh, and for us to be witnesses for him everywhere we go. And you know what the beautiful part is? Jesus didn't just leave them with a job to do and leave them alone. He left them with access to the power to accomplish it. That's why Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Uh, he didn't say you might. He didn't say you could. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Because if you see at this point, the disciples uh, didn't already have the Holy Spirit personally indwelling them because Jesus was still there. But now, now that Jesus is ready to depart, he promises to send the gift of the Spirit and praise God, he kept his promise. Uh, and Luke actually testifies to that through the rest of the book of Acts. And it's there to remind us that if you and I possess the Holy Spirit, 
we possess the power to win souls too. Do you believe that? Right? You know, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, I, I can't lead anyone to the Lord. Uh, I'm too afraid I'll get it wrong. Uh, or, or I might not be able to answer all of their questions. Or what if somebody uh, asks me something that I can't answer? And you know what, if you think that way, you're exactly right. You can't. But that's not what this verse says. Because you can allow the Holy Spirit to work through you to point others to the majesty and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. Just like the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And that means the Holy Spirit brings through believers the power and and the confidence and the coherence to reach the lost for Jesus. And he's telling the disciples and us, we just need to start using it. You may not consider yourself to be persuasive enough or brave enough or important enough to be used by the Lord. You might think you could never have an impact on people's lives, but the truth is you'll never know how many people you can influence until you sincerely ask the Spirit to use you and ask Him to bring you to people and to put you in situations where He can speak through you and then really trust Him to do it. Uh, Allowing our lives and, and our language and our list of priorities to be so centered on and so filled with Christ that it creates a thirst in other people around us for the gospel. Because you see, the truth is people should be able to look at our lives and see there's something different about us. Uh, not because we think we're better than anyone else, but because we recognize that we aren't. We just happen to know what to do about it and where to take it. And then we'll be able to tell everyone we meet about this glorified, ascended King Jesus. And the truth is you don't have to go very far to find those people. Remember, Jesus said to the disciples, you'll be my witnesses telling people about me where? Everywhere, right? In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And you see the beautiful thing here. Jesus' direction for evangelism is start locally and then spread out globally. And the same is true for us. So if you ask, uh, where should we be Christ's witnesses? The truth is it should be in our families first. And then in our parks and our neighborhoods, uh, in Zephyr Hills and and Dade City and Lakeland, uh, Pasco County. Florida, the whole Southeast, the United States of America, and then on out to the rest of the world. And I have to tell you that I am so very proud to be part of a church here that does exactly that. Uh, In fact, that's the very heart and essence of what we do and who we are, Uh, so much so that your church council actually embedded those ideas uh, into our mission and vision statement for this church. Uh, Who who knows what our, our mission statement is? Anybody? It's in your bulletin every week. So it's to present Christ to everyone, everywhere, at every available opportunity. It's in your bulletin every single week. That's the the mission uh, of this church. And for those of you that that may not know how we got that, about nine, you guys can correct me, nine, ten years ago, the council got together to crystallize what they uh, wanted to, to say was the overarching purpose of our group. And I think they really hit the nail right on the head because... The presentation of Christ to a needy world is the one and only reason for a church to exist. And that leads very easily into our vision statement, which is is right there underneath it. And our vision as a church is to be a loving, caring church whose arms embrace all that come to us. We want the world to come so we can tell them about the love of Jesus. Because until our Lord makes his trip back, 
There's work for us to do. And there's a mission for us to carry out. And we have a king to serve. Uh, And we really see that as we move a little further into the text because after Jesus talked to the disciples about their new job and and their purpose and their power and what they were going to receive to carry it out, the, the text said he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they couldn't see him any longer. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them and said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he'll return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Right? Can you imagine being there at that moment? Right? And you're, you're, you're looking up into the air and you're watching Jesus rise up into heaven, and then all of a sudden you get a tap on the, the shoulder, and somebody you don't know says, uh, hey, what you looking at? Right? And that was a pretty simple question, right? But there's a point here that I don't want us to miss uh, when we read the angel's question, because asking questions, and we talked about this in Sunday school, can be vital to our individual work of evangelism. Right? Our Lord definitely thought so, because uh, we've talked about this a lot in... Uh, the last couple of years when we looked through the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and uh, when we studied John in Sunday school, uh, we've seen time after time when Jesus was talking to someone, he usually answered their question with what? Another question, right? Uh, not because he wanted to skirt their issue, but he wanted to intentionally build a bridge to a deeper conversation. Because I, I don't know if you realized it, but questions can diffuse tense issues. And they can also penetrate to the heart of matters and help somebody open up inside their own ideas and assumptions. And the truth is, every single one of us can do that too. We can take a friendly, everyday conversation from talking about news or sports or the weather or whatever you're into to talking about spiritual things just by asking some very easy questions. You could be in a conversation with an unsaved friend and you could just say to them, what's your source of strength that gets you through the day? That's an easy question. Uh, you can say to them, uh, hey, when you have a problem and a crisis comes up, who do you turn to first? Right? You could ask, uh, do you have faith in anything? And you'll be surprised how open and how eager people are to talk. All you have to do is open up. It's, it is something every member of the body of Christ is able to do. And there's a great verse of scripture that goes along with this that I think kind of pulls it together that I want to throw in here. Uh, it's one from uh, the Apostle Peter in, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. And if you're in the habit of underlining things in your Bible or highlighting them or circling them, uh, I highly recommend this. So 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16. It says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord, and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do it with gentleness and respect. And you really have to catch how how the the flow of the verse goes there. It begins with revering Christ in our hearts. That's got to come first. That's vital to this verse. That's the source of the answers that we're going to be prepared to give and our only legitimate authority to giving uh, those answers to other people. And that's a great picture of the dual message of the ascension is to exalt Jesus and to evangelize people. That's the message of the ascension, to exalt Jesus and to evangelize people. And those things go hand in hand like cause and effect. Because we can say Christ is ascended, now go tell the world. Right? Don't, don't just look up, but speak up. 
Like the angels asking the disciples why they're standing there looking into heaven as if to say, hey, fellas, don't spend your day staring at the clouds. You've got work to do, don't you? You've been given a commission by the king, and now at his ascension, his, his men are reminded by the promise of those angels as they see him being taken up into heaven, uh, and they're given this great promise that this same Jesus is coming back. Please don't miss that. It's not another one, but the same one. The same Jesus is coming in, the same Jesus that was born in Bethlehem. The same Jesus that turned water into wine. The same Jesus that walked on the sea. The same Jesus that made the blind see and the deaf hear and the lame walk. The same Jesus that raised Lazarus from the dead. The same Jesus that died on Calvary's cross for our sins. And the same Jesus that rose from the dead and is now ascended is going to return in a visible, recognizable, resurrected body. And even though we don't know exactly when, we don't know the day, we don't know the hour, we know enough about Jesus and his love for us to know that promise is secure, right? That promise was enough for his disciples in the first century, and it's still enough for us today. But we can't stop there, because we still have to be about the Father's business, which is to be witnesses to Christ until he comes again. Uh, you know, we're, we're studying the book of Revelation in Sunday school, and it's easy to look at the condition of the world and say, you know, it can't be long now until he returns. But that can't ever be an excuse for idleness. It's got to be rather a prompt to urgency because he could come back today. He could come back in a month. He could come back in a hundred years. But each day that he tarries is one more opportunity to do the work that he's called us to do. And each day is one more chance uh, to reach out to our loved ones with the saving grace of Jesus Christ, our risen Savior who's ascended into heaven and as we say in the Apostles' Creed every week, to sit at the right hand of the Father in glory, calling us to revere and to reveal His Son before a watching world. And, and so as, as we leave today, let's go out with the words of Psalm 47 in praise to our risen Christ. Let's sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises for God is the King of all the earth. Brothers and sisters, he's gone up with a shout, and now it's our turn to tell the world. Amen.